This episode is brought to you by DungeonNotebook.com, makers of the Tome of Delving, a hardcover notebook for keeping track of your 5th edition character. It has a place for your stats, your spells, your familiars, your inventory, all the essential things that each class needs, plus plenty of room to write down your adventure. The book comes in an awesome dust jacket and even has a ribbon bookmark so you don't lose your place. During the month of November, 2020 that is, there's actually a discount code going on. If you go to DungeonNotebook.com and put in the code DC5, you'll get $5 off your purchase for the Tome of Delving. Go to DungeonNotebook.com and upgrade your character sheet today. What's up and welcome to Difficulty Class, a show where we gather around this podcast table in yours and talk about some Dungeons and Dragons. Each week, we, or a listener like you writing into difficultyclass at gmail.com, come up with a topic, question, encounter, or anything else somehow related to RPGs, and we have some fun talking about them. I'm one of your hosts, Trevor Bettis, and with me this week is... Ali Deitchman. That's right, so let's dive right in, and we are talking about some Tasha's Cauldron of Everything. It is here! Mm-hmm. And boy, here is she pretty. It's <laughs> pretty. <laughs> mm-hmm. so yeah we uh we've been doing these preview episodes uh when you know these new books come out and i we, we've been enjoying doing them so we thought yeah, hey let's continue it on and talk about uh all well, this is kind of like the the culmination of all of our bonus episodes all of our ua episodes <laughs> it's all led all to that this. knowledge is right here <laughs> <laughs> this is kind of like the, the checking the final work sort of thing yeah <laughs> Um, so yeah, uh, Allie has the print book. I have it on D&D Beyond, uh, so I apologize now, listeners, if you hear any clicking going on in the background. That is my my mouse, which I, I'm trying to keep as quiet as possible. Um, <laughs> I will say this. I don't know. I'm, I'm going to double check right now, but when this book released, it was not available on the D&D Beyond app, uh, which was very oh. disheartening, and... I don't know if they said ahead of time that that wasn't going to happen, but that that was, you know, a, a pretty big letdown because that's how I've been reading these books each release during this year. Oh, there it is. Okay, so as of right now, it is available on the D and D Beyond app. So if you were waiting on that and you didn't see it, it's there now. Okay. Um, the f- font is way too small for me to have this phone next to my <laughs> mic the entire one, so I'm sticking with the computer. Um. So we're we're should we just go through this like from start to finish and just kind of look at what we got and go over what we like and what and whatnot? Yeah, I think so. We could also bring up um, because, like you mentioned earlier, we did pretty much cover a lot of this already. But we can uh, highlight some of the differences that they've pulled out of the yeah. UA, um, where things came from, all that good stuff as we go through the book, uh, the table of contents. I guess you could say. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we'll we'll read in depth the, t- the table of contents. Yeah. Um, um. I think before we start, I just want to talk about the basic concept of how big this book is. Um, mm-hmm. Comparing it to Xanathar's, because that's pretty much where a lot of people are at right now, it's about 20 pages longer full of content. And I say content specifically because there's about 20 pages in Xanathar's that is devoted purely to names. And that's it's really helpful, really good tables. Um, but mm-hmm. it's not like, you know, additional ruling or like fun things you can do. It's just here's a baby name book. So... If you discount those 20 pages from Xanathar's, there's about 20 pages more in, in Tasha's so far. Um, 
And yeah. it's full of good stuff. Like there's there's a lot of stuff in this book. Um, a lot more than I, I was expecting. And, <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and say I think that this book is better than Xanathar's Guide personally. Like if I had to choose one book to do a game with, I would go with this book. Yeah, there's that question of um, Adventures League. It's pretty much player's handbook plus one. Yeah. Um, I like to, I always like to kind of ask my friends every now and then, like, which which book would you choose now? Um, about three months ago, it was Explorer's Guide to Wildmount because of that was like the most options in a single book mm-hmm. um, that had come out so far. And now all of a sudden you're looking at this and you're like, well, OK, hang on. <laughs> yeah. Well, and, and like when I, the first time I got Xanathar's. Um, I wasn't really as impressed with it as I ended up being later on. I mean, I think even in the review that we did for it, I think I ended up saying, like, this book's a lot better than I remember it being. <laughs> um, yeah. Because, like, it didn't it didn't jump out at me uh, from the start. There wasn't anything that I was like, oh, I, I can see a use for this right now. I could implement this into my game tonight. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this book 100% has that. Every freaking page of it has got my mind going in some direction of something I could do now or later and am getting excited about thinking about. Mm-hmm. I mean, the nice thing about this book is that it culminates several things into one book. So you don't have yeah. to. Uh, and it's it's not it's the flavor is vanilla, <laughs> which sounds really yeah. weird. But there's all these things are removed from their home setting. So like we'll get into that later, but it's, it's a lot easier for you to apply this book to whatever campaign you're doing than trying to piecemeal from several different books and Mm -hmm. trying to apply it that way, which it it feels a lot like screw it. Just have fun. And I like that. Like um, I was telling Taylor yesterday when I was kind of briefly going over it, I'm like, there's a lot of rules in here and like little blurbs that mention to do certain things a certain way. And, to be honest, we already do it, so it's not going to be new to us, but I'm very excited for the people that are very, like, raw kind of people where they go mm-hmm. only by the book because they'll look at this. There's literally a thing, like, have fun <laughs> in here. Yeah. You know, they're really trying to emphasize that aspect of D&D is that even if you have everything down to a T as far as, like, technicalities go, don't forget that you can really make it your own kind of game and have fun with it. And this book really wants to emphasize that, and I really appreciate it. I, f- I feel like this is a how-to guide on not to be a stick in the mud. And as I came up with that uh, that sentence in my head, I realized, what the hell does that even mean? Anywho, <laughs> uh, let's hop into the book. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it opens up uh, with character options, which takes up quite a bit of this book. I will say it's uh, only about a third. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah, uh, uh, to be on honest. My, um, on my screen here, it's m- the majority of character options and then one column and one little bit of the rest. <laughs> like, well, okay, so to be fair, it's probably like closer to less than half than a third. Yeah. I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. But um, yeah, there's about like se- like 80 or so-ish pages of pure PC like options here. Mm-hmm. And then it goes into a lot of fun stuff for DMing and uh, a lot of reference stuff for mm-hmm. players and, and DMs alike. Um, but yeah, it's like, there's a lot of, every single class has an optional thing to it. Whereas mm-hmm. that wasn't quite the case. I think in Xanathar's, I think they might've like skipped a couple places, but also yeah. there's the new class artificer involved in this book. <laughs> yeah. It's officially. Oh, we'll, we'll, 
<laughs> we'll, we'll get to that one. The, the first one I wanted to hop into was like the thing that I kind of immediately opened up to, which was the uh, customizing your origin. Yeah. This was one of the things that I was most curious about uh, with it. Have, have you had a chance to look at that part yet? Not entirely yet, no. So the way that it works um, is essentially like there there is a lot of text here and everything like that, uh, a lot of good information. But what it essentially boils down to is do whatever you want. Like take the information you have and change it however you want, but but kind of stick within the confines of at least the numbers. So it's like. Okay, if you where, where where's that example it gave? Okay, here we go. For ex, this has to do with how to do the ability boosts, kind of taking it away from it just being this fixed place. So it says if your ability score increased trait of your race or subclass increases your constitution by two and your wisdom by one, you could instead increase your intelligence by two and charisma by one. So uh-huh. it's literally just taking the boosts you already have and applying them in a different place. Just moving it, them around. Yeah, you can't take both boosts and put them on one. Um, th- this actually, uh, so they, they, they call them uh, ability score increase. That's what I should say. I, I think I'm saying boost because of Pathfinder. And that's yeah. kind of what is it's making me think of where instead of an ability increase being the static thing, it is now, uh, it is a boost. It, 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 it can change. You can apply it where you want. Mm-hmm. Um, they're giving you the option to customize it towards your character and not having your character be customized around a race. Yes. Yeah. Um, uh, even with languages, it's like, hey, if you don't like the languages, that uh, if it doesn't make sense for your character to have these races, say you're an elf, but you've never been around elven people. You've mm-hmm. you've o- you've only been around tieflings or anything like that. They actually have a list of uh, of languages that are like swap that out for any one of these or talk to your DM and use what makes sense. And yeah. I love that's kind of a that's kind of a th- uh, through thread on this book is you know talk to your DM and make it make sense for you, for your character, for your game. Yeah, like I was mentioning earlier it's like there's a lot of little blurbs about how it's like you can you can change things if you want and it's like i really appreciate that they're putting that in text as opposed to having it being heard this definitely feels like the unwritten rules being written yeah i like that yeah um but yeah it, it it continues on with uh proficiencies with skills with tools personality um where it's just straight up just like hey if the book says something that you don't like and that's not how you want to play it, then don't. That's not how it is. That's that that's not canon. <laughs> like yeah, they, just change it to what you want. They also kept it so that way it can still be a balanced character and it won't be totally broken by mm-hmm. having this but proficiency swap table. Like for example, you can't swap out a skill proficiency with like a uh weapon proficiency yeah (laughs) like uh there there's certain uh just slight restrictions just that way it's the game isn't quite broken when you adjust your character yeah Uh, which totally makes sense um but i like how they the the sentence they put in there it's like some races and sub races grant proficiencies these proficiencies are usually cultural and your character might not have any connection with the culture in question or might have pursued different training and it's like, yeah. hell yeah. Like, why would your elf druid know how to play with, like, bows and swords? 
<laughs> if they grew up raised by wolves, you know? It's like, mm-hmm. why would they know that? Why would they know Elvin? So I really appreciate how they, they specified out there, like, just, hey, you can adjust things. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, the, the, the personality-wise thing where, it, like, it it doesn't completely, you know, say what all of us are thinking, but it's like, hey, if this, if that book says that your race is evil, it's not. You, you, you can change that. Yeah, I now, will say they, <laughs> instead of, like, you know, changing things, they do yeah. literally say, you can just ignore it. Yeah, and... <laughs> I don't like that as much. Yeah, I mean... Actually, I don't like it at all. Yeah, they... uh, Quote, I'm going to read this right here. The description of a race might suggest various things about the behavior and personality of that people's archetypal adventurers. You may ignore those suggestions, whether they're about alignment, moods, interests, or any other personality trait. Your character's personality and behavior are entirely yours to determine. I really wish that they had just gone for it and been like, look, there's these races that in that other book says they're evil. They're whatever. They're, mm-hmm. they're you know, you you can you we're we're gonna make it so that they're neutral or or mm-hmm. something like that, or just pull the alignment from it completely. Um and you know, let your player like we, there there's been a big conversation about the importance of alignment in fifth edition for a little while now. Um and how not everything alignment has kind of become this well you know it's important when it is it's not when it's not yeah like sort of thing um which is why i think alignment shouldn't be on races at all no like even even if it is for uh uh, you know a neutral or anything like that the i think the only time that a an alignment matters for me is on a monster stat block as a suggestion of like when we wrote this stat block with this character in mind this is the alignment they had and i can decide to take that but if i just need stats for a drow rogue or something like that i can go find drow rogue and i'm like this isn't the character they made flick that little uh, alignment out of there yep. and I can do whatever I want with it. Yeah. So I, I really wish that they had just pretty much retconned it and just been like, when you're making a character, don't you pick the alignment. Your race does not pick the alignment. I mean, especially since they're not afraid of taking things out of context and re- reworking them. Yeah. Like they took the entire artificer class out of Eberron. And yeah. they reworked it out so that way it doesn't have to be applied only to Eberron. So it's like you, with that kind of like uh, ability, so to speak, of uh, being able to just take things out and reworking them <laughs> to mm-hmm. say them even better, you'd hope that they would have done the same for that kind of concept of like the quote personality of these races and cultures. Yeah. Um, but it, instead, th- they they opted for the you... for the you may ignore. <laughs> yeah 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 no what i was about to say is that paragraph you read is reads like a pr uh, yeah. thing yeah it's it's an answer but it's not a great one <laughs> yeah 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 um so after that we uh go into something that i only learned was going to be in this book recently and i think is really cool which is changing your subclass yeah and um just to just to kind of speed things up a little bit because we <laughs> God, what time are we at already? This is gonna be a long one. Fifteen minutes already. We're not mm-hmm. even to the first subclass. Um essentially it just gives 
some advice on what to do if you want to change your subclass, when it makes sense to change your subclass and ways to do that. They straight up say, it's like, hey, there could be a sudden change where like something in the story drastically happens and completely changes your character. But they also have training time, which I also like, and I believe is another part of uh, Pathfinder 2nd Edition. I believe you can retrain yeah. for certain amounts of time and, and gold and stuff. Yeah, take uh, it from someone who literally had Roland change <laughs> like four different times. This would have been nice to have like a little guidance before then. Yeah. Um, so essentially what it does is uh, typically uh, the time and or for the, the gold for the time is 100 gold times your new level. Mm-hmm. Um, and they, they don't really, they like the DM will decide on how much time it should take and stuff like that. But I think that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, so let's see. Okay. Now we're getting into the classes. <laughs> yes. And I think this 15 one minutes we can kind of mostly just kind of skate over um, yes. mentioning about where they come from versus where they were pulled and all that good stuff. Yeah. Um, um, they These are again, mostly from the UAs that we kind of called a long time ago saying they're making something with all these. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like, if you really want to get a idea of what they really go into, you can either go back and listen to our other UA episodes or get the book and it explains it all. But anyways, <laughs> um, the first um, one, the artificer. <laughs> yep. I mentioned before they pulled it out of Eberron. They took Eberron out of the artificer, um, which I appreciate um, because one, I'm not really personally like familiar with the Eberron setting. And so being able to play it without that heavily influencing it <laughs> is really mm-hmm. nice. Um there's a couple of new pieces of art in here too, and overall it's pretty neat. Um, this reprint of the same classes with addition of the armorer, which, if you recall, is the Iron Man <laughs> uh, UA that we talked about before. And if you also recall, we kind of trashed really bad and did yeah. not like. Um, I already talked with Trevor. I'm like, I'm curious about how they nerfed it because, oh boy, it was rough. <laughs> yeah. Um. I, I I did read through it and I don't like I'm not gonna sit here and pretend that I remembered exactly how it was or even sat here and and compared it because uh even just reading through it now it's cool um I still don't know if I would like it at my table namely because it still kind of feels like center of attention-y if that yeah. makes sense. No, it does. Um, the protagonist of this story. <laughs> yeah, because like, it's like, yeah, you're a wizard, but you're also like ridiculously good at everything while you're in this armor. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, at let's see, what what level is this? At third level, you can uh, change the suit to be a uh, have a have a dampening field, and you have advantage on dexterity uh, stealth checks. So it's like, oh, I, I'm an artificer. I'm in my armor. Uh, I'm better than a rogue, technically, because yeah. I have advantage. Just whatever. Yeah, um, it's kind of wild. <laughs> yeah. And they get second attack at fifth level, and they, they get a few more things here and there. It does... It didn't... It didn't make me have the same reaction I did when we read the UA. It didn't have me sitting here just going, what the heck is going on? Which so, is good. <laughs> yeah. And the, the artwork they did for it, again, we're going to talk about the artwork a lot in this. I highly recommend uh, uh, 
you know, even if you're not going to pick up a book when you're at the bookstore or however things happen now during COVID, <laughs> take take a look through it. There, there's some beautiful art. Yeah. Um, so it's, so far, I really enjoy it. Um, Spencer's taken a look through it as he's my resident artificer, and yeah. um, so far he really likes it as well. Just the reprint. He noticed that there isn't really too much new and changed about it, especially with the infusions. There's like a couple of new ones, aside from the uh, armor specific ones. Um, but so far it looks more of the same. Um, then we go to the barbarian. So this Mm -hmm. is, this is where we also get, um, those alternate class features. Yeah. I remember that Uh, whole UA that was like the best thing that ever came out. (laughs) Yes. And it's here and it's available now. Uh, and I'm very excited about them. So before, before we get into this, cause I feel like that's going to be kind of the main talking point. The, uh, the, Subclasses that made it into the book for the Barbarian was Path of the Beast and Path of Wild Magic, mm-hmm. which both uh, both fantastic. We both loved these and yeah. their versatility and their their types of uh, differing abilities. So, like, you could have two of these in a group and they act very different. I I really do like that. Yeah. Um, with the optional class features, uh, it has Primal Knowledge. Third level barbarian feature. When you reach third level and again at 10th level, you gain proficiency in one skill of your choice from the list of skills available to the barbarian at first level. Mm-hmm. I like uh, that. That's that's kind of cool. That That is giving... I, I, I like that we're getting more skill action with the classes. Yeah, yeah me too. It's, uh, it's definitely a needed thing. Uh, then at seventh level, they get instinctive pounce. <laughs> <laughs> As part of a bonus action, uh, you can take, uh, sorry, as part of the bonus action you take to enter your rage, you can move up to half your speed. So again, I just, I like that it's, it's just these little things that are making things cooler. Yeah. It's not breaking the game. It's for a couple of them are revolutionary, but not all of them are. They're just nice. Yeah, I'm busting out the player's handbook now to see what these replace because I genuinely just remembered, oh, these replace so, things. <laughs> no, uh, they say if they do. Yeah. So, so those two right there don't replace anything. Oh, cool. Yeah. Uh, it only replaces if it says so. Okay. Um, uh, yeah. Let's, yeah, these features can be selected separately from one another. You can use one, both, or none of them. Huh. Yep. Neat. <laughs> um, so next we got the Bard. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bard got uh, College of Creation and College of Eloquence. Which one was it from uh, From uh, the Theros? Eloquence, the bardiest bard around. The bardiest <laughs> bard. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, and the, the College of Creation was the UA one, which was, if I remember correctly, just okay. Um. I was just purely confused about the College of Creation because, like, I couldn't quite grasp that that concept easily because it was more mm-hmm. of a concept in theory. But uh, my hope is that I can kind of read through here a little bit better and, and see exactly what it is. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so that way I can look, get a better understanding. With a quick look at it, I did notice something new or possibly new because, again, I didn't check this against the, the UAs because that would have been a lot of, like, searching and stuff. Yeah. Uh, but there's something called animated or uh, animating performance, and it looks like you get to create a dancing item. Oh, so okay. So 
That's kind of cool. And actually kind of fits into your uh, character, Gwendolyn Joy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the uh, optional class features that it got was an expanded spell list. Um, Which, that, yes, please. <laughs> yes. Um, I won't go through that, all of them because there's quite a bit. But The fact that Bards didn't have Phantasmal Killer is just rude. That is kind of weird, right? Or Hero's Feast, you know, the literally inspiring food yeah. that you host yeah. a banquet for. <laughs> Wait, they didn't have mirror image? Yeah. There's a there was wow. Bards kind of got the short end of the stick when it comes to a lot of spells, so or I'm glad that these are in word. there. Yeah, no, th- this is this is a good upgrade. Uh, yeah. I I will say that the upgraded spell list pretty much across the board are fantastic. Yeah. No, 100%. Um, so let's see. At uh second level uh Bards get uh magical inspiration. Now that's cool. That's pre uh subclass mm-hmm. so i like that they now get something at second level uh if a creature has a bardic inspiration die from you and casts a spell that restores hit points or deals damage that creature can roll the die and choose a target affected by the spell add the number rolled as a bonus to the hit points regained or the damage dealt the bardic inspiration die is then lost so i do like this it is kind of weird to me that we can now any bard can add damage to spells, but it's still only the valor bard that can add damage to, to melee uh, or uh, range. Melee, yeah, yeah. That's kind of that's a little weird, and it it feels kind of um, favoring because it it's like, well, I'm gonna give it to the wizard because they can add more damage to it. Mm-hmm. But you know, but at the uh, same I time, do that, love the healing. I yeah, I really do like the healing a lot, um, and also it's trying to play it up that it's magical inspiration so it's not just like hey you're doing great bud you know slap on the back it's like that's fair it's like actually magical when it comes to bards um (laughs) and the fact that there's a little bit of balance because most of the time you know warlocks excluded (laughs) um you don't add (laughs) um proficiencies or anything like that to a damage when it comes to spell it's fair so i think Uh, that's all right so at fourth level, they get bardic versatility. I love it. Uh, now, here's where this is changing from the UAs, and I really like it. When you reach a level in this class that grants the ability score improvement feature, you can do one of the following, representing a change in focus as you use your skills and magic. One, replace one of the skills you choose for your expertise feature with one of your other skill proficiencies that isn't benefiting from expertise. Or replace one cantrip you've learned from this uh, from this class's spellcasting feature. I can't speak with other cantrips uh, from the bardic list. So yes. <laughs> this, so they 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 had it in the the UA where they had something like this, but it was like every level. Yeah. Uh, I really like that this feature has been changed to ability score improvements because. I feel like if it were every level, I would sit there for much longer than I should and just like rack my brain over like, okay, should I swap this? Do I need (laughs) to swap this? Should I do it? And now that it's only going to happen four times over the campaign, love it. Yeah. And like if you do have like um, just the most random like prestidigitation, you haven't used it once. Yeah. It's like usually before this Tasha's book, uh, well, you're stuck with that. Good luck. (laughs) Yeah. But now because, you know, you're versatile, you're a bard, that's literally your shtick, 
uh, you can change that out if you like and get something mm-hmm. else, which I really enjoy because bards are my jam and that, that really <laughs> plays to them. Well, I, I I like that it's it's even more it's it's so barred because all of the spellcasters are getting this change up spells at or cantrips at, at levels and stuff. Yeah. But I love that they get the skill part. Like that just that feels very bardic to me and I love it. Yes. Um for cleric, the uh the subclasses that I got in there is the order domain from the Ravnica book. Mm-hmm. The peace domain, which was previously the unity domain, and before that, a v- extremely problematic and can't believe it got through any kind of testing <laughs> domain. Um, and then the twilight domain. So yes. you you and I w- were over the moon with twilight domain. <laughs> over the moon twilight. <laughs> Anywho. Uh, <laughs> the so, artwork, by the way, is just beyond beautiful for that. Holy crap. I hadn't seen that. Yeah. This, that is gorgeous. This cleric is amazing. <laughs> Uh, for 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 listeners who can't see it, it is uh, a, a stunning cleric in armor and robes, and there is the star pattern on their robes and cloak, and emitting from them is this like purple, f- like smoky, starry design. It's gorgeous. Yeah, it's real pretty. Oh my god. Um. I did really quickly want to stop in at the peace domain because, like I said, this was the unity one, which we are kind of lukewarm on. Mm-hmm. I read through this just before we met up to record, and I do like it a lot more. It feels more cohesive. I see how it's played, except for one thing yeah. that is so very confusing. Lay it on me. Which What is it? This class is all about, like buffing and unity and and being together and helping out and it's and it feels like the peace name is kind of weird because it's still very much about combat Uh but i was able to like kind of get past that because i'm like oh but it's about helping each other Uh it's about being peaceful with yourselves as a party Uh and then potent spell casting at eighth level You add your wisdom mod to damage you deal with any cleric cantrip, and oh. that's confusing. Why didn't they follow like the life domain and be like, you add your wisdom mod to any like healing yeah. or something like that? Especially since their channel divinity is like one of the coolest healing abilities <laughs> I've ever seen. Oh, so no. that definitely came out of freaking nowhere. <laughs> like I actually stopped. And scrolled back and made sure I was still in the same domain. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, that's that's a little silly. <laughs> yeah. Uh, for the optional class features, they also get some new spells. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aura Life, Summon Celestial. They get Sunbeam and Sunburst and Power Word Heal, which is cool. Yeah, the first time a Power Word was taken out of Wizards. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's pretty neat. Mm-hmm. Um, let's see, and then they get a uh, harness, divine power, second oh. level cleric feature, where you can swap uh, the channel divinities for a spell slot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so yeah. So this is this is best basically burning a channel divinity slot, uh, or is it burning a spell slot to get a channel divinity? Mm, you regain one expended spell slot. Ah, okay, yeah. Oh, there. As a bonus action, you touch your holy symbol, utter a prayer, and regain one expended spell slot, uh, the level of which can be no higher than half your proficiency bonus. Mm-hmm. I like that. By the time you reach 18th level, you can do this uh, three times per long rest. I love it. Mm-hmm. 
they also get the cantrip versatility starting at fourth level, so they can do that four times per you know run to twenty. I don't know what to call that really. Um, <laughs> bless strike. Uh, so this is this is one of the, the the ones that changes. It says eighth level cleric feature, which replaces the divine strike or potent spellcasting feature. So this could be put in for you know the the peace one as well, I guess. Yeah. Um, you are blessed with divine might in battle. When a creature takes damage from you, uh, from one of your cantrips or weapon attacks, you can deal one d8 radiant damage to that creature. Once you, uh, once you deal this damage, you can't use this feature again until the start of your next turn. Cool, oh. neat. Well, that's in general kind of really nice because that's way more versatile. Um, mm-hmm. The initial uh, divine strike is only attacks with a weapon, but uh, that one does bump up to 2d8 when you get to 14th level so it does kind of if you're really focused with using your weapon that yes. one would be the one to go but if you're kind of both mid-range uh blessed strikes would be the one to go and then potent spell casting if you're really focused on spells that one would be the one to go because that would grow with you i i'm i still can't get over this whole peace domain name and now i'm just imagining this cleric with this massive powered up mall just going, peace be with you <laughs> 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 uh let's go to the druid uh druid got circle of spores again from ravnica yeah circle of stars and circle of wildfire i haven't read wildfire despite being the most hyped i've ever been for a druid class ever <laughs> um but i'm very happy that it's here i'm very happy to, that just at a glance it does look pretty similar um and you know they get burning uh burning hands they get flame sphere and scorching ray let's freaking go if you got an evocation wizard and a life cleric put together that can turn into a bear that's what the circle of wildfire druid is and it's amazing it's hot (laughs) um the optional class features uh they uh also got an expanded spell list with quite a bit of spells, wow! They didn't have enlarge or reduce, mm-hmm. or augury, huh? Yeah, there's there's quite a bit. Like all these expanded spell lists needed to happen. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it looks like um, oh, they get wild companion, second level druid feature. You gain the ability to summon a spirit that uh, assumes an animal form. As an action, you can expend one use of your wild shape. Uh, to cast Find Familiar without material components. I love it. When you cast the spell in this way, the familiar is a fey instead of a beast, and the familiar disappears after a number of hours equal to your druid level. So instead of you be shape, you summon something to be shape for you. Yes, and, and I and I like that this is now a feature that all bards have. All druids, because, yeah. Oh, oh yeah, bard. <laughs> it's got bard on the brain. Yeah, that all druids have, because that feels like a druid thing oh yeah it's like hey we need to figure out if that encampment ahead is like dangerous it's like oh let me time to assassin's creed it it's like let me summon my eagle to go check it out for us and then you just summon this face spirit and you're like you talk to it and then it kind of nods at you and flies off and you're like what was that and you're like it was my friend (laughs) and that's so cool that's so such a druid like nature thing too i really enjoy it uh, after that, we go into the fighter, um, and let's see. So the two that they got is the Psy Warrior 
and The Rune Knight. Both of which we were just kind of eh about. Um, the Rune Knight was really kind of all over the place, it felt. Yes. And I'll be honest, I haven't read through that one yet because Psy Knight or Psy Warrior was really what grabbed my attention mm-hmm. because we saw essentially two forms of this class and what we ended up getting wasn't like any of them. Oh. And I kind of really like that. Okay. So essentially, because I'm not going to read through this, uh, we're, we're, we're going along here. Um, but essentially what they've done is that instead of adding all of these extra mechanics and, uh, you know, different ways of doing things, essentially what they did was you just have abilities now. When you reach a certain level, you can do a new thing. Here, I'll, I'll read this one. So this is third level. Uh, protective field. When you or another creature you can see within 30 feet of you takes damage, you can use your reaction to expend one psionic energy die, roll the die, and reduce the damage taken by the number rolled plus your intelligence modifier. As you uh, as you create a momentary shield of te- telekinetic force. So essentially what they did is they took the superiority die and just went it's called a psionic energy die. It's I, I really appreciate that. It's the same rules, different name. Um, it's yes. something that's already familiar, and it's something that is already implemented in the game. Yeah. And no, I really like that. Instead of trying to bring it, in a whole new thing that is either overpowered or just doesn't make much sense, this 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 rolls easily. Yeah. And, and now it, it does still have the problem with Eldritch Knight where it is intelligence-based, but your main form of damage is strength. However, that's extremely balanced for these two classes because you wouldn't want this one to do something different because then it'd be like, well, why would I ever choose Eldritch Knight? Yeah. But this one can't cast spells from mm-hmm. what I could see anyways. There, there are certain things that are spell-like, but from what I could find, there's no spells that this class casts. Mm, it just yeah. gets some really cool psionic powers. Unless you grab some feats. Uh, no, you just have the power of your mind. <laughs> yeah. And they also got this cool like Sam Witwer-looking dude for the, the Cyanite, and I'm very here for it. Yeah, he looks really cool. Um, I do want to mention that when it comes to the fighter stuff, along with the optional class features, there's new fighting styles, yes. um, which involve blind fighting, um, interception, which is essentially like if someone attacks someone else within five feet of you, you can actually use reaction to reduce that damage, <laughs> mm-hmm. which is really neat. Um, there's superior technique, which essentially anyone can take this uh, fighting style option not just the Battlemaster, to essentially get a Battlemaster, like, technique thing. Uh, maneuver, yeah. that's what it's called. And then they also involved a thrown weapon fighting and unarmed fighting, so you can finally be that pugilist that uh, you always wanted to be, uh, which I, really, uh, I remember Jeremy Crawford tweeting about it recently, like, you can really make a solid, like, brawler. Pure fists, just fisty cuffs. It's really good. Um, especially with all these new uh, additive rules in here. And then there's new maneuvers also for that said Battlemaster. Um, there's Ambush, which is pretty self-explanatory, uh, using your stealth for your initiative role, essentially. Kind of straight out of Pathfinder. Yeah. Um, there's Bait and Switch, which is the uh, Conjuration Wizard, but we have to be within five feet of someone kind of concept. <laughs> Uh, there's Brace, to where if you have a shield, you can do a thing. Uh, commanding Presence, where you make a Charisma check, and you can add your superiority die to it. Grappling Strike, where you're doing something wh- while people are grappling, which, thank you. Because <laughs> it's like, <laughs> why am I grappling this person? Oh, to eventually restrain him. 
well, why did I do that? <laughs> um, and then there's Quick Toss, which it sounds very much like what it says. Um, you can make a ranged attack with a weapon as a bonus action, which yeah. is really nice for a fighter. So there's a lot of new fun stuff for the fighters in there that even if you weren't interested in the the Psy Warrior, um, there's a lot of cool things in there. Oh, yeah. I, I definitely think that this book made fighter a lot cooler. Oh my god! I also want to mention they involved battle master builds, um, which I can appreciate <laughs> mm-hmm. because if you look, if you're like, oh, I want to build a fighter, but I don't want to be like, you know, a champion. That's kind of boring. I don't want to go into like Eldritch Knight because that's kind of I'm not going for an intelligent dude. And then you look at battle master and you're like overwhelmed because there's so many options. Well, this battle master builds pretty much gives you archetypes that you can choose um certain ones so it's like if you wanted to be a gladiator it's like oh choose this fighting style choose these maneuvers and go for these feats and it kind of gives you a little blurb about what a gladiator is and so it gives you a guidance when it comes to it like if you wanted to build that pugilist that i was talking about they tell you how you can build it Mm -hmm. and so they take one of the most you know what some people criticize as the most quote boring class and they really give you so many options that you can build out of it. And yes. they show how versatile the class is with it, too. And I love it. Uh, after that, we're going into the monk. Uh, the uh, uh, subclasses that got is the Way of Mercy and the Way of the Astral Self. Yep. Freaking love this class. Um, once again, I'll bring it up. The artwork in this section is really amazing. I had mm-hmm. trouble visualizing what the way of the astral self actually was like physically. What does it look like? Um, and though they described it to hell and back, I couldn't get it until I saw this artwork of this dragonborn monk who has just two arms and then two very just ethereal arms just above those on his shoulders. Mm-hmm. Ghosty arms. That looks so cool. And it's like, okay, now I get it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the optional features that it got was a uh, dedicated weapon, which essentially allows you to pick a monk weapon um, mm-hmm. and use it uh, thusly. Which, uh, 100%, key... yes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's at second level. At third level, you get key-fueled attack, which essentially is just letting you do another attack. Uh, <laughs> any uh, At third level, anytime you spend one key point uh, or more as part of an attack action, you can make an unarmed uh, strike um or use a monk weapon as a bonus action before the end of your turn Mm -hmm. this one's crazy to me which is quickened healing at fourth level uh as an action you can spend two uh key points and roll your martial arts die you regain a number of hit points equal to that plus your proficiency bonus they gave them second wind jesus yeah that's pretty Um, cool Focused aim is at fifth level. Uh, when you miss with an attack roll, you can spend one to three key points to increase uh, your attack roll by two for each of those key points spent, potentially turning the miss to a hit. That's, That's pretty, pretty cool. cool. Yeah. Um, Paladin uh, got the Oath of Glory, which I believe was also from uh, Theros, and then Oath of the Watchers, yes. uh, which we were both very <laughs> hyped about. Uh, still love the artwork. Uh, yeah. The, 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 the uh, Oath oh, of Glory is still very much Hercules, but just take yeah. out the literal Hercules of it, um, which, again, I mentioned before, Really appreciate that they took that context out of this class so that way you can feel like you can apply it to whatever campaign you're in. Yes. 
Um, because one of the most difficult, like, flavor things to work with out of is is paladins, I feel. Mm-hmm. Um, because a lot of people feel that paladins get, are like clerics. They get their, God, they get their powers from God, purely. Whereas a lot of these classes, subclasses, have no divinity involved in it at all. Yeah. And it's kind of like, it's it's the most difficult to concept to grasp when it comes to spellcasting, I think, because it's kind of almost out of your own pure willpower. <laughs> yeah. It, it, it's, yeah, I, I really feel like they should almost be called the devout, where yeah. like they are just devout to something. This might actually be a sorcerer who doesn't know they're a sorcerer that is going into something and is able to cast these spells in fantastic ways. So yeah, I, mm-hmm. I understand what you're saying with that. Yeah. Cause um, that's, that's one of the things. <laughs> the optional features, uh, they did get some new spells. Uh, not, not too many, uh, but still pretty cool. Really uh, they glad also got they have a gentle repose. Now <laughs> they should have always Ooh, had yeah. that. Honestly, <laughs> Along with Warding Bond, those are very paladin kind of spells. Yes. Uh, they also got uh, some style options as well. They got Blessed Warrior. Uh, you learn two cantrips of your choice from the cleric list. Uh, they count as pal- paladin spells for you, and charisma is the spellcasting ability for them. Very neat. I like the idea of a more spellcasting. Mm-hmm. You could do Sacred Flame as a paladin. That's pretty cool. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Um. No, they can't do that. Uh, blind fighting, which I just I love that blind f- fighting is not just in this book, but is in so many classes. Yeah, they're really trying to kind of just expand that into it. Um, I remember, gosh, like a few years ago, Robert was really keen on trying to make a blind monk. And it was like really difficult to do until at some point, I forgot whoever the DM was at that point was like, you have blind sense. Let's just say you do up to 10 feet <laughs> because it's like, we had no way back then of like actually playing that. Yeah. Yeah. So I, lo- I love that we got rules for it now mm-hmm. and, uh, and it feels good. Yeah. Uh, then lastly, it gets interception, which I think Kyle's probably going to swap over to, uh, when a creature you can see hits a target other than you within five feet of you with an attack, you can use your reaction to reduce the damage to that target taken or the, target takes by 1d10 plus your proficiency bonus you must be wielding a shield or a simple or martial weapon to use this reaction love it mm-hmm. think that's super cool very heroic yes um oh my god we're we're, we're, we're over 40 minutes now we're still <laughs> through the classes yeah the ranger um it's let's see what were the uh it was the the, uh, fey, the wanderer fey wanderer and the swarm keeper yeah yeah um was the Swarmkeeper from... No, no that was Swarm, the sport. Swarmkeeper's from a UA. Yeah, that was. both of these are from UA. Mm-hmm. Um, they're both pretty nice. They still are, I hate to say it, rangers. Um, but <laughs> So mm-hmm. they are still having to go off of that base PHB ranger element. Um, there is the optional class features here are pretty much what probably will rework the majority of how you play a ranger. Mm-hmm. Um and pretty much a lot of that alternate ranger UA got plugged in here. So it's yeah. like, instead of doing this, you can play it like this. And there's a lot of replacement in this one. Yes. Um, there's the, the Deft the- Explorer optional class feature, which, again, first level replaces Natural Explorer. Um, 
You gain the candy benefit below. You choose one of your skill proficiencies. Your proficiency bonus is doubled for any ability check you make. You can also speak, read, and write two additional languages. And then you get roving. Your walking speed increases by five, and you gain a climbing speed and a swimming speed equal to that. And then you get tireless at 10th. Yeah, and then at, at action, you can give yourself a number of temp hit points equal to 1d8 plus your wisdom. Uh, you can use this action a number of times equal to your proficiency bonus. So it's like, and whenever you finish a short rest, your exhaustion level, if any, is decreased by one, which, you know. Oh, that's cool. <laughs> uh, taking in what we talked about last time, that would be pretty neat. <laughs> that is. And, and like, and, and it's got the favored foe one, which replaces favored enemy or mm-hmm. uh, foe slayer. Um, the, these are a little bit longer than what we want to go into for time reasons, but yeah, I do like what I'm seeing here and I would want to try it. It's definitely the alternate Ranger UA, which I would definitely go for versus the player's handbook Ranger. Um, yeah. it's, it's pretty nice. I will say, uh, there's, yeah, it keeps going all the way up until the 10th level options, which there's also new Ranger spells that are plugged into that, like entangle searing smite. Yes, that should have been on there. Mm-hmm. Um, greater Restoration. Hey, wouldn't you know it? So it's like there's a lot of very much things that should have been on there. There's new fighting style options. The Druidic Warrior. So you can, much like the Paladin with the Cleric Contrips, now you've got the Ranger taking the Druid Cantrips. Um, mm-hmm. They've also got Blind Fighting and Thorn Weapon Fighting. Uh, let's see. They've got the Primal Awareness. So instead of the... Let's see. replaces the Primal prime primeval oh god i can't read the primeval <laughs> awareness feature i'm like primal. <laughs> um so it's like you can pretty much just swap out a spell list for it which is really nice um yeah there's there's just a lot in here this ranger essentially that entire alternate ranger ua this is what you do yeah i would i would just if i'm having any kind of players go into ranger i would give them this book yeah, no, th- this this is how Ranger is from now on. Yeah, it, it was very um, much, uh, I wouldn't say fixed, but it was very much adjusted in a favorable manner. Yes. <laughs> uh, going into Rogue, the two archetypes that made it in there were Phantom and Soul Knife. The Soul Knife is the psionic version. The Phantom is the weaker version of the subclass that they had, and I'm very disappointed about it because it still doesn't feel very cool. Yeah, that was and the, I, um, ooh, I died, I'm back now, and now I lo- know a little bit more about it, right? Yeah, well, that was the revived rogue, which okay. I thought was really cool. Yeah. This one is the one where it's like, you have past lives that when you go to sleep, let you change your proficiencies. Bye. <laughs> so right. not not very thrilled with that. Uh, the one thing that, the, that they got for optional features, which is really cool, is at third level, it's called Steady Aim. As a bonus action, you can give yourself advantage on your next attack roll on the current turn. Mm-hmm. You can use this bonus action only if you haven't moved during this turn, and after you use this bonus action, your speed becomes zero until the uh, end of your current turn. Yeah. I like this idea. Um, uh, we've been already implementing this into our game, and Saphir uses it so well. <laughs> like, it mm-hmm. is so deadly. It's great. No, it's It's a great feature. Uh, Uthal is uh, dual is dual wielding, uh, and I presented this to him last night, and he was just like, "Yeah, no, nah, I just take the second attack. Like, I usually get uh, sneak attack anyway, so yeah, whatever." <laughs> it's like, okay, yeah, no, that seems fair. All right. Uh, for sorcerer, uh, they got the aberrant mind and the clockwork soul. Both of these, eh. Uh, the aberrant mind, I did take a look through, and it's. There, 
Uh, <laughs> it didn't. I was like, I don't. I know it's got the psionic thing, but I don't see what in here would pull me into playing it over just a normal sorcerer. Honestly, I think you'd have to really play up the flavor of it in order for yeah. it to be kind of a, a fun class to play. Because if mm-hmm. you just went into it thinking like I'm going to be a sorcerer, but with this kind of sorcerer, it's like yeah, I think you really want to really want to be that that aberrant mind kind of play. Um, and same with the other one with the clockwork soul. It's like, these are very kind of almost extreme style, like play styles. And I think they'd be more fun to play if you leaned into that. Yeah. Um, because otherwise they don't make too much sense and they kind of fall a little flat if you're approaching it from like a broad sense of play style. Very niche. Yeah, exactly. It's very niche. Um, not saying it's bad, but it's very niche. <laughs> also, they got a ton of new spells on their spell list as well. I was, yeah, I was just about to go over that one. Yeah, yeah. They, they got a, they got a ridiculous amount. Uh, they finally got Flaming Sphere, mm-hmm. um, uh, which they, I I gave uh, Kyle during our Tomb of Annihilation game years ago. Uh, but they also got Green Flame Blade, which we're going to see quite a bit coming up. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I think we should mention that now. Um, pretty much a lot of the spellcasting classes got access to the Booming Blade, Green Flame Blade, Sword Burst Cantrips. So it's no longer restricted to like just wizards. <laughs> well, not just that, but just Blade Singers. Yeah. It was restricted on wizard lists as well. You had to be a Blade Singer. Mm-hmm. So it's it's looking good for those that like to be spell swords it's looking good for hero mm-hmm. um <laughs> uh, they have new meta magic origins at third level uh you can choose meta magic mat meta magic options uh you have access to the following uh, additional options seeking spell if you make an attack roll for a spell and miss you can spend two sorcery points to re-roll the d20 and you must use the new roll Oh god, that could that could roll a one. I love that. Uh, when you use seeking spell, even if you have already used a different meta magic ah. option, oh, you can use seeking spell even if you've already used another meta magic option. So, because cool. you're usually restricted to one meta magic option like per go, but this yeah. that's nice. Uh, Trans, a transmuted spell. Uh, when you cast a spell that deals a type of damage uh, from the following list, you can spend one sorcery point point to change the damage type of one of to the others ah, to one of the others listed. Acid, cold, fire, lightning, poison, Ooh. thunder. Love it. A sorcerer um, I, that's suddenly fighting off a bunch of devils. Like, hey, I'm gonna use fireball at eighth level. It's like, why? Because I'm gonna spend a single sorcery point and make it cold. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, I actually had to invent an item that does this uh, for our cleric before going into Avernus. Yeah. Because he is a uh, light domain. All fire and rain. Yeah, and he was like, look, I would like to actually do something in this campaign. I'm like, I got you. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's been really fun seeing him throw uh, ice balls at people. Yeah. Uh, also, they got sorcerer, uh, Sorceress Versatility, uh, which is the swapping out of uh, cantrips. Uh, at uh, every four levels. However, you can also replace uh, one of the options you've chosen for the meta magic feature with a different meta magic option available to you. Love that! Mm-hmm. Perfect, fantastic. Don't use twin spells. Do seeking spell instead. It's like yep. you can. You, I love the versatility options in there. Okay, we're almost we're almost to the midpoint. We've got warlock. Yes. Uh, 
You know, I you know we're 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 getting into here, and now I'm thinking like, should we just make this a two part episode? <laughs> should we come back next week and do part two because we're almost at an hour? I'm actually tempted to say yes because this could be more for the player op like, yeah. option side of it, and then we can do a part two uh, going cool. over what's good for the DMs. So, so tell you what, we're gonna stop right here for our uh, for doing our little break thing. Uh, what we're gonna do after that is we're gonna t- continue with Warlock and Wizard, and then go over feats. And then next week we'll come in <laughs> with the DM side of it. This is this is podcast planning live, ladies and gentlemen, and, and, <laughs> and anyone else listening there. Uh, so yeah, let's let's take a break and do our uh, uh, champions loot. This week's code is L A U. D Q U I D W I E L. Put that code in on any of the numerous platforms that Idle Champions is available on. Get some good loot. Take a screenshot. Send it to us at Difficulty Class on Twitter. We'd love to see what you get. Getting them shinies, getting them purples, and kicking evil's butt. And now, back to Trevor in your present and my past. Thank you, Trevor of the future. Uh, <laughs> we're going to do our DC Spotlight, uh, which is, uh, if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, that book sounds really cool, but I wish there was more. <laughs> well, now there is. On DMs Guild, uh, we've got Tasha's Cauldron of Everything Else Volume 1. This has such a ridiculous amount of content in it, I can't wrap my head around it. It has 27 new subclasses for every class, including Artificer, three of which are remastered. I love what they said. Just like the Blade Singer Wizard gets a rework in Tasha's Cold and everything, the Way of the Four Elements Monk, the Wild Magic Sorcerer, and the Undying Warlock get a rework in this. Uh, there are 29 new spells. Uh, let's see. There are 50 new magic items. Uh uh, discover the arcane properties of Tasha's Cauldron. Oh, they actually put Tasha's Cauldron in it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Um, and yeah, th- there's a bunch of good stuff in here. Uh, it's it's $20, and with the amount of content that's in there and the amount of people that worked on this, because there's too many for me to list, uh, absolutely fantastic. Artwork is beautiful. Definitely go check this out. If, if this book's just not doing it for you, if you're just like, I just wish there were more. I wish I was overwhelmed with options. I wish I had a Pathfinder first edition level of options. <laughs> this book has you covered. Um, we'll tweet it out, uh, you know, with, with the normal things and whatnot. But it is, again, DM's Guild, Tasha's Cauldron. Or sorry, I've been reading this wrong. This Ooh. is Tasha's Crucible of everything else. Oh, my apologies. I there, was like, I that don't was my. That one. That was my that was my dyslexia just reading over a word. <laughs> you start with the C. I'm sure it's cauldron. Tasha's crucible of everything else. I, that's very cool. Nice. Like um. Okay. So, hour in. We just did that. Let's go into the warlock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> um. The warlocks. We've got the. Uh, we've got new invocations. We also have the other new patrons. We've got the Fathomless. Um, and we also have the... Oh, what was the other one? The Genie. The Genie. I, I actually watched the the video that Todd uh, Todd Kenrick... I think Kenrick, yeah. I, always, yeah. I don't know why I always second-guess his last name when I'm about to say it. Um, <laughs> talked to Jeremy Crawford about the, the Genie. And the, I liked what they were talking about there and I, and uh, uh, learning some of the history behind it and everything and, and how they came to this, but it still feels weird to me 
I, I don't, I don't, I can't put my finger on it. And I, and I, if I had to take a guess, if I had to like, be like, what, what is it that's really bothering me about? I'm like, it still feels weird that we have something that shows up in a real world religious belief as <laughs> a patron for the warlock. Yeah. And I know that like, we do kind of get away from exactly how it sh- uh, shows up, but then they've got the limited wish thing at the end. I'm like, I don't know. This just feels, Yeah, it doesn't feel feel the best it's also again one of those very niche kind of subclasses to where if you don't really roll with it it's it's gonna feel out of place in any campaign yeah now on the flip side of that the fathomless big fan of very (laughs) excited uh one of my players is already been playing it and i love it also the artwork for it they got this like aquaman looking dude in like fantasy Shorts. trunks no <laughs> yeah. they're like fantasy trunks they got a design on them and he's got his hand out and this little astral tentacles coming off it but the way he's holding his hand i just hear him go like get it just go attack him uh, <laughs> go. imagine any gif of johnny depp from pirates of the caribbean where he's going like Whoa. it's that it's, it's that totally exact, that hand movement it's that Ooh. exact hand movement <laughs> you don't like the tentacle you want to be away from the tentacle <laughs> <laughs> but in a good way and like honestly, I really enjoy the concept of krakens in D and D in general. And wait, what? wait, what? I just saw this. I didn't notice this before. Expanded spell list, fifth level. Big V's hand parentheses as appears as a tentacle. <laughs> <laughs> yes, <laughs> that's so good. I love it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I love that so much. They they actually mentioned that kind of a couple times, like. You can summon an elemental. However, comma in parentheses, water only. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like they're like yeah, you I, gotta keep it the- on theme, guys. <laughs> I do like that though, and I kind of wish more subclasses did that. And it and it, it goes back to like the like uh, Barovia and and Avernus and stuff. How casting certain spells in those places, those spells are altered to fit the theme of that location. Yeah. And I kind of wish that we had more of that, where it's like, oh, you're this. Well, when you cast this, it can only be this, or it takes on the appearance of this. I Fun like that. Fun fact, um, you mentioned that. We're going to talk about that next week when we get into the spells and the optional spell stuff at the end of the Ooh. spell lists. Um, because they talk about personalizing your spells, and not only personalizing it, but having a theme as well. This is the first time we've teased the next episode. I know. We know what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> But yeah, we'll um, talk about that more later. <laughs> for the optional class features, uh, it does get more, 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 more spells, uh, which is really freaking awesome. Again, green flame blade. I cannot wait to use that as a hex blade, warlock. Oh, oh my God. God, yes. Um, the majority of these spells that they got are straight up from this book, I'll be honest. Um, there's yes. only a few that aren't like teleportation circle or planar Ooh, binding. Or gate. Yeah. They have gate. Yeah, gate and weird is also in there too. Um, but again, all these spells definitely should be warlock spells. I think they'd be fun. Um, yeah. I'm excited to go over all these new spells because, oh boy, they look fun. <laughs> um, for the, uh, additional features at third level, they get packed boon options, uh, which looks like it's exclusively for Pact of the Talisman. Yeah. Um, 
your patron gives you an amulet, a talisman that can aid you, uh, aid the wearer when they need when the need is great. When the wearer fails an ability check, they can add one d four to the roll, potentially turning the roll into a success. This benefit can be used a number of times per day, equal to your proficiency bonus, and all expended uses are restored once you finish a long rest. If you lose the talisman, you can perform a one-hour ceremony to receive a replacement from your patron. This ceremony can be performed during a short or long rest, and it destroys the previous amulet. The talisman turns to ash when you die. So So, I I gotta say this, because Marcos brought it up. It's like, oh, why did you become a warlock? It's like, oh, I wanted to seek the, the pure truths of the ever night and it's like okay well why did you become a warlock i seek in great power what about you why did you become a warlock well i really think the bard is pretty neat and i wanted to make sure that he does really well every time what do you mean (laughs) well i got this talisman that i get him to wear and then he does a lot better now (laughs) (laughs) see i i like i like the idea more of like i i got a warlock and they're like hey why uh, dude why what did you uh Why'd you become a warlock? Well, you see, there's this there's this Cambian, and he went to Zales. Um, <laughs> and <laughs> see what I mean? Though? Like the talisman warlock, I am in love with that concept because I just... one, I love support characters, and this is like the ultimate "Hey, hey, I got you" kind of person. <laughs> Now I'm picturing like the pretty woman scene with like Greg Kinnear with the little little box. And, yeah. like, there's a warlock. It's like, ooh, ambulance. He's like, ah, got you. It's funny. <laughs> exactly. It's I. I really like the oh pact of the God. talisman for that. It's it's great. <laughs> That's beautiful. Um, Eldritch versatility at fourth level. When you reach this level, it's the same thing as before. You can swap out uh, stuff. However, there is some extra bits here. Uh, besides replacing one cantrip, uh, replace the option you chose for the packed boon feature with one of uh, of that feature's other options. If you are at 12th level or higher, replace one spell from your mystic arcanum feature with another warlock spell of the same level. I like this. There's more yes. versatility here. There's more... There's more like, hey, I screwed up and I want to switch it. Now we know when you can. I only have three spells. Can I? Can I? Please, for the love of God, change them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the, now, if I, someone needed versatility, it was warlocks. Yes, a hundred percent. Like, I and and I know they did have versatility because they had so many options, but it was very much locked in options. Yeah, one of the biggest critiques that D&D 5e gets is that it's not a kind of skill tree kind of option. It's very much a, you choose what river you go down, and then you go down that river. There's yes. Once you go down a path, there's no changing from it. But now that they have all these versatility uh, options in here, you now have an option to go, if I'm keeping with this metaphor, off river and choose a different one. <laughs> I just I just now saw the artwork for the a, a tiefling warlock calls on the power of his talisman, and that is just the prettiest tiefling I've ever seen. And yeah. I love him, and I want to more know. I want to know more about him. Why do you have tattoos covering your arms that are the prettiest flowers I've ever seen? Oh, I don't know, really but I want to. Yeah, no, this, this is a pretty tiefling. <laughs> um, I'm not, we're we're not, I know we said that we're we're making this now the player option episode, but. We're not going to go through every one of these uh, a boon or uh, invocation options, mm-hmm. but there are quite a bit of them. Uh, there, there is the bond of the talisman, eldritch mind, far scribe, My gift favorite. of the protectors, <laughs> uh, investment of the chain master, 
uh, protection of the talisman, uh, rebuke of the talisman, undying servitude. Okay, so, uh, you know, there's things for like, you know, Pact of the Chain, Pact of the Tome, stuff like that in there. Yeah, they, uh, a lot of these were from that UA uh, with the Warlock uh, additional features kind of situation. Mm-hmm. Um, they kept a lot of them and they took out a lot of them as well. Like the far scribe is pretty much only the sending. You don't get to do the, I forgot what the other one was, but, um, and then you've got three of the talisman ones that was brought in there. So you can specifically go full all in support with that. Undying servitude is really cute. You can cast animate dead as the name suggests. You just have a zombie with you. (laughs) That does your work. Love it. So these are these are pretty fun. And Investment of the Chainmaster, again, just buffs your uh, familiar up even more. So that way, you're, if you wanted to be that ranger beast companion warlock, you totally can. Mm-hmm. Um, ooh, uh, you know what? I just thought of something. This would actually be pretty neat if you were a warlock and a druid now. A dru- druid-warlock combo. Because then you oh, could yeah. get that cast familiar, and then you could also buff them like hell. <laughs> oh my god, I love it. Uh, we're, let's uh, let's let's hop over into the wizard um, who, for the for the options we got, Bladesinger and Order of the Scribes. Mm-hmm. And as you so eloquently said before about the artwork for Bladesinger, these are the two prettiest people that have ever existed. (laughs) (laughs) They are so gorgeous. They've got long flowing hair. They've got chiseled cheekbones. They both have that look of, I am going to do this better than you, and I don't mind. (laughs) The dude looks like he is mid-L'Oreal commercial, and I'm here for it. I love everything about it. It's, It's just the artwork throughout this entire book. I was mentioning to Trevor, it... It's very clearly done by several different artists and mm-hmm. all really good artwork. And it all very much portrays what each thing is supposed to be. Like on the previous page, it's like a warlock uses a genie vessel to battle Cyclops. Before, just like I mentioned with the monk, I had no idea what that looks like. And here we go. Artwork that beautifully portrays a theoretical concept. And um, I was really con- like what's the word curious about like if is there a new art director that came in with this and um i looked in the credits and lo and behold yeah there is now a quote senior art director um name is richard witters i think i'm saying that name right (laughs) um your classic kate Irwin. she's still there she's still under the art department so i'm sure that her work is heavily still in this but it looks like they got someone else to kind of lead the art direction when it comes into this book and you can kind of tell it has a slightly different feel overall when it comes to the artwork in a great way i'll say that Mm -hmm. um not that the other books weren't great but this this almost feels like refreshed yes um so for the the blade singer did get a rework i haven't had a chance to compare it yet but uh i'm very happy to see this class here because ever since fourth edition i have been in love with this class i love the concept of it yeah and i love now that it's uh that it even says here at the beginning because I was, I was still worried about this. Uh, it says, uh, let's see, originally created by elves, this tradition has been adop- uh, adopted by non-elf pr- practitioners who honor and expand on the elven ways. Mm-hmm. I love that because this is such a cool freaking class that I, I, wanted to, I wanted to know what other stories we could do just besides it being 
an elven one. And I think the reason for that is because they restricted it to an elven tradition, but then never used that in any really cool story way. Yeah, um, it was pretty much purely from what book it came from. It was just in the Sword Coast adventurer's guide yeah. and it went nowhere from there yeah. um, i think it was mentioned like a couple times from volo but beyond that nowhere and just like how they took the artificer out of eberron they took the blade singer out of Faerun. they removed mm-hmm. the context of it and allowed you to play this in any campaign that you wanted to yeah um i will say there are a couple of really neat adjustments into this class uh the best one being the extra attack i will say Wait, it didn't have extra attack? No, it did have extra attack, but the fact that you can use oh. one of your cantrips in place of one of those attacks is new. Yeah, so now now you can do ridiculous damage by doing freaking, you do an attack and then you do green flame blade and, ah, it's so freaking cool. Yeah, it's, imagine being hasted on top of that too. It's so nice. <laughs> um. Also, Order of the Scribes is in here, and you heard me gush about this on the bonus episode. I love everything about this class, and I cannot wait to make something work with it because it's just so damn cool and thematic. Yeah, just like how the Bard of Eloquence is the bardiest bard, I really feel like this is the most wizardist, like, wizardy wizard. <laughs> yeah. Um, let's see in the, op, uh, the, the new features, uh, they've added spells, which is primarily all of the new spells that are in, uh, this book. However, they also added augury, um, enhance ability speak and with divination. Dead. Oh, yeah. speak with that. I missed that one. Yeah, speak oh with yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, Hey, what do you know? Let me <laughs> be a little more necromancy. Yeah. This is pretty cool. I, 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 so far, I'm appreciating just all this. It's great. I'm still freaking shocked that we haven't got a necromancer subclass. Like, I could see so many cool freaking things you could do with that. You mean like extras. a more devoted necromancer? Because there's literally a necromancer well, subclass. No, yeah, I, yeah, like I mean a more. Okay, yeah, I, I misspoke there because I'm thinking of like the. I thought I when I think of the schools, I don't think of them as subclasses. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean like, like a, a dedicated one that is, uh, that is more necromancy than what we have gotten. So um, I, <laughs> fun fact, I've talked extensively with Spencer about this and have complained more so than talked. Um, I wish <laughs> sorcerers were necromancers more so than wizards. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. Because Ooh, I... in like lore throughout, usually necromancy is a, uh, born with ability (laughs) um more so than like a learned one and so it's like i figure every time i wanted to build a necromancer my base concept would be like oh yeah they had necromancer i'm like oh no wait they don't because they're wizards dang it (laughs) and then i have to rethink it and then on top of that you don't just you're not able to summon stuff as soon as you can if you're a necromancer you have to learn it first and it's like well why (laughs) yeah no, mm-hmm. I, I would... Okay, you, you've changed what I said because I also fucked up and screwed the whole school things. <laughs> I want to see a sorcerer necromancer. There we go. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Uh, cantrip formulas. This is a third level feature. Uh, you have scribed a set of arcane formulas into your spell book that you can use to formulate a cantrip in your mind. Whenever you finish a long rest and consult those formulas in your book, you can replace one wizard cantrip you know with another cantrip on the wizard spell list. Okay, I hadn't seen that. That's freaking cool. Oh, it's like preparing a cantrip. <laughs> yeah. I like that, actually. That is 
really freaking cool. I like that a lot. So they don't they don't get the the same thing as the other classes have with every four levels. This is they do get to do it after every long rest, but it's essentially just letting them mess with their cantrips. Which, mm-hmm. to be fair, makes sense. I don't understand. I've never understood. I'm like, wait, why are cantrips fixed? That seems strange. Yeah, it's especially with wizards, considering they're literally people who prepare all their spells except for cantrips and it's like i always thought it's like oh maybe it's like their signature spell and it's like no because they're just cantrips maybe they're just easier well then why don't they know like all the cantrips (laughs) (laughs) so it's like yeah no totally it's this i really appreciate this optional one um with that we're done with classes at long last it only took us an hour and 15 minutes yeah like nearly Um, 80 pages later yeah (laughs) Um, and this brings us to feats. Um, oh man, I just realized we had a listener question too, but it's one of my players. He can wait. (laughs) (laughs) That was Thomas, right? (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) We'll Um, get to your question, Tom. Don't worry. So, uh, in, in short, in summary, a lot of these feats are like multi-classing light, (laughs) which uh, I will say I, I do like that in theory. I actually haven't had a chance to like take a stab at any of these yet. The so so let let let's let's go through because I the, the first one up is artificer initiate which is what you're talking about and I'm pretty disappointed with it if I'm being honest. Oh okay. Um, uh, we're not going to read through every single one of these because the, some of these are quite long, but this one we're going to go into for an for an explanation. You learn one cantrip of your choice from the artificer artificer. I don't know why I can't say that word today. Artificer <laughs> spell list. And you learn one first level spell of your choice from that list. Intelligence is your spellcasting modifier for these spells. When you cast this uh, this when you cast this feat's first level spell without a spell slot, oh, you can. I, I see. You can cast a spell uh, without spending a spell slot, uh, and you can't do so until you finish a long rest. However, if you do have a spell slot, you can cast it with that. So, if you're a fighter with this, you can cast it. You can't do it again until you have a long rest. If you're a warlock, you can cast it and then use one of your first level spell slots to cast it again. Okay. Um, then the last bullet point, you gain proficiency with one type of artisan tools of your choice, and you can use that type of tool as a spellcasting focus, uh, for any, uh, for any spell you cast that uses intelligence as its spellcasting modifier. Okay. Cool. That's really specific. Yeah. It, it, like, I'm thinking like, okay, let's say that you're in my group and you take this at first level. That's pretty cool for first level. But when even when you hit eighth level, what is what is this adding to you? Yeah, I mean, like, there's a reason why you would do um, magic initiate, and that's like purely like, oh, I don't have any kind of magic. I can do this. I can get a magic spell in there, or it's like I want a long range spell attack. I, I just want to get firebolt. I need to get something that'll yeah. help me out, or I want to get like eldritch blast. It's like okay, yeah, totally. I don't think you can get eldritch blast. Anyways. So it's like it's totally there's meaning behind that. Whereas this one feels like I, I don't I don't know about this one. Yeah, it, it's it's cool because it's more than just a cantrip, but it's also weird because I don't know why the artificer like is so important for this. Yeah. Um, it it, it kind of feels like I'm like, well, why didn't you just make a, a second feat that just had the first level spell part to it, which is then 
added on top of the magic initiate like maybe it's magic adept or something like that knowing me there's a oh, feed yeah. already called that um so it is a little weird that this is specifically for the artificer but it somehow doesn't feel very artificery yeah yeah, yeah. not really because um, like what's the, funny is that oh, the spell that you do um let's see intelligence is your spell casting ability for these spells so it's like if you're a sorcerer and you take this you got that one spell that you can use yep. using that focus. <laughs> yeah. I could see this being cool for like a uh, an Eldritch Knight or a, a, a Psy Warrior, but I don't know who else it would be cool for. Yeah. Yeah. Um, next up, we got Chef, which is still just the coolest freaking uh, feat of all time. And I gave to one of my players for free because he was already doing this. Mm-hmm. Um, then we've got Crusher. Uh, which is uh, basically the one where it's it's just increases your ability to bludgeon things. <laughs> I love it. Amazing because there's actually not much, there's not much motivation to go towards the bludgeoning route anyways because the majority yeah. of the bludgeoning weapons deal less damage, and so mm-hmm. it's like I this is actually a great one. I like it. Uh, Eldritch Adept is next, and I freaking love this. Mm-hmm. Okay, so prerequisite spell casting or pack magic. It. We're just going to uh, cut it right here. You get an invocation. You yep. get an Eldritch invocation, and that's it. And it's awesome, and it's so cool. The only thing about it is is that if there's any prerequisites for it, for that uh, invocation, you have to be a warlock that meets it. Yeah, and that inv- that includes level prerequisites, right? It, yeah, it says uh, if the invocation has a prerequisite of any kind. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you have to do that. But this is so cool because I made a bard once that took magic initiate and got Eldritch Blast, and then it, uh, I could uh, later on take this and get one of the Eldritch Blast invocations to make it even cooler. Dude, you can levitate. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I also love this because it's still cool as a warlock because they're like, hey, do you want an extra invocation? This is take actually it. perfect for twyla who she's been like him and han about going even more levels into warlock when she could get that ninth level spell slot and it's like because she's like i want that invocation though well maybe go into bard four more times and get that ability score improvement and get the feet because this is actually going to be kind of perfect yeah um after that, we've got Fey Touched, uh, which uh, I love this. Your exposure to the Fey Wild's magic has changed you, granting you the following abilities. You increase intelligence, wisdom, or charisma by one to a maximum of 20, and then you get Misty Step, and mm-hmm. you can just cast it. And uh, the, the only downside is once you've done it, you can't do it again until you finish a long rest. I will still lament the days of 4th edition where an Eladrin could Fey Step every encounter and <laughs> I, it, it was so cool and it was one of the most badass things ever and it just doesn't exist anymore mm-hmm. um so that's really cool i do like that because now you could be a uh you know face stepping tiefling and that just sounds cool and that's um two free spells essentially without casting a spell slot which yep. is really nice and uh, also you le- can cast those spells using your own spell slots on top of that Mm-hmm. Oh, oh! I actually had missed the extra spell thing. The the first level spell. Oh, and one first level spell of your yep. choice. Oh, I had missed that part. I just saw the misty step thing. I the thought the that first was cool level enough. spell has to be divination or enchantment, but that's totally fine. Those schools are really versatile when it comes to spells. Yeah. 
after that, we got fighting initiate, profic- uh, prerequisite proficiency with a martial weapon. Uh, basically, you get a uh, fighting style. Mm-hmm. Um, Which can and- be a huge awesome thing for, like, if you're a barbarian or a monk or even if you're a warlock. <laughs> that would be very helpful. And once again, fitting into the branching path scene we were talking about, whenever you reach a level that grants an ability score improvement, uh, you can replace this feat's fighting style with another of the fighter uh, fighter class you don't have. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, then we've got Gunner. Um, lets you shoot guns, and you don't have to load them. Real guns. <laughs> real guns. Real, yep. <laughs> real Dungeons and Dragons guns. <laughs> um... It's cool. All right. Yeah. Whatever. Um, uh, Meta magic adept is next. Prerequisite cast uh, spell casting or pact magic. Uh, you get to learn two meta magics and you have two sorcery points. Mm-hmm. It's. I kind of wish the sorcery point thing was a little bit higher, maybe even by one. But I still think this is really cool and really neat that you have the ability to mess with your spells, even if you're not a sorcerer. Oh yeah. Cause to twin spell, a single thing is just amazing. <laughs> like, or even yeah. subtle spell like those, well, that kind of thing would well, be great. Well, imagine if you took this and were a, um, cleric of light. Yeah. You could do shape spell and just cast fireball all day. <laughs> just... it's, well, it's it's a great combo without sacrificing a level into a different yeah. class uh next we've got piercer uh which is essentially the same thing as the crusher but this one's for piercing damage mm-hmm. um and it just does a ridiculous amount of extra damage and i'm sure uthal is going to take this at some point <laughs> Uh, speaking, uh, speaking of roguish things, we've got Poisoner, or as I dyslexic read it last night, Scioner, because I was expecting to see Scion things. <laughs> I'm like, Scioner? That's a weird way to, oh. <laughs> um, this one's kind of crazy, because the first bullet point is, when you make a damage roll that deals poison damage, it ignores resistance to poison damage. Hey, Green Dragon, let's find out what poison feels like to you. <laughs> Like that, I I I love it. I love that. Well, I mean, later on they get immunity, but you know, whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and it also has a, a bunch of abilities to let you use poison and make poison. It's yeah, I love this because I feel like if they had tried to do a subclass around poisoning, it would feel bland and not enough. Whereas just having it at this as this feat works perfectly. The bonus action to apply poison is yes. the key thing here. Yeah. Um, I kind of accidentally built a character that had this feat already. <laughs> um, <laughs> Harper Eric essentially was a poisoner. Um, he was able to just bonus action, apply it to his knife and drive it in. And like that kind of thing was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and it's great to see that it's actually like in a book now. I had not seen this next one and I just uh, lost my my stuff because I might uh, let somebody have this. Shadow touched. Your exposure to the shadow fell's magic has changed you, granting the following benefits. This is essentially the fate touch thing, but shadow fell. And I love that we've gotten that it's, you know, because the shadow fell and, and the fate wall are kind of split as, you know, like this is the good side. This is the, the, the evil side and stuff. So I love that we got two feats showing that off. Uh, this one lets you learn invisibility in one first level spell of your choice, which must be illusion or necromancy. Yes. <laughs> That's so cool. Yes. 
That's so freaking cool. Yeah, it's um, I really appreciate this, the flavor of it, because especially if you play along the play style that you go for, where it's like first level feet, if you mm. go for one of those, that's a whole backstory right there. Yes, <laughs> that's actually one of my players backstories. <laughs> um, after that, we've got skill experts. Uh, you have honed your proficiency with particular skills, granting you the following benefits. Increase one ability score of your choice by one. Fantastic. Nice. Uh, you gain proficiency with one skill of your choice and choose one skill in which you have proficiency. You uh, gain expertise in that skill, which means your proficiency bonus is doubled. Uh, the skill you choose must be... Sorry, what? I was going to say, you can't double your double expertise, essentially. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, it says uh, the skill you choose must be one that is uh, already... Ben- mu- must not be one that isn't already benefiting uh, from this feature, such as expertise. Mm-hmm. Um, I really like that because I've been wanting something that works with skills better, and this does. Yeah um slasher which is the same as crusher and piercer but for slashing weapons by the way um, all three of those they have their own little niche thing yes. like bludgeoner essentially pounds people into the ground um slasher like slows them down by like you know going for the ankle um and also they deal like critical hit and the piercer one let's see it's like you can re-roll damage to do a little bit better if you wish <laughs> Yeah. So it's like they each have their own flavor to it, which is appropriate, I think, to the damage type. Um, the penultimate feat is telekinetic, uh, which lets you increase uh, intelligence, wisdom, or charisma by one, but essentially gives you mage hand. Uh, you don't have to use components or anything. You're basically using it as a the way you see telekinesis used in movies and stuff like that, where you're just invisibly moving something with your mind. Where this gets different, is that uh oh oh one of the cool things is if you can already cast uh, mage hand it increases the range by 30 feet yes yeah, so you neat. can cast it up to 60 feet now which is pretty neat yeah uh but the other cool thing is that as a bonus action you can telekinetically shove one creature within 30 feet of you they make a strength saving throw dc8 plus proficiency plus ability uh for uh plus the ability that you increased with this feat i think that's really cool because it gives this feat something a little extra besides you just get mage hand. Yeah. But when I read this off to one of my players and he went, wait, are you telling me that you wouldn't let me do that already? And I went, all right, that's fair. I would, but still it's cool. (laughs) I mentioned that earlier about how like this book is kind of filled with stuff that, um, a lot of this we already would let slide. Yeah. But now that it's in print and there's like some guidance there and it's balanced out, feels nice. Basically, uh, it's for any time that anyone yells at me about rules as written. I can just point this book now and go. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Last but not least, telepathic. Uh, You increase your intelligence, wisdom, or charisma by one. You can speak telepathically with any creature that you can see in 60 feet. Your telepathic. uh, What is that? Utterance? Utterances. Ah, your telepathic utterances are in a language you know, and the creature understands you only if it knows that language. Ooh, that's uh, a key difference from normal telepathy. Mm-hmm. Uh, your communication doesn't give uh, the creature the ability to respond to you telepathically. Ooh, that sucks. I'm still okay with this, because... Oh, wait, wait, wait. You can cast a tech thought spell requiring no spell slaughter components, uh, and you mu- oh, but you must finish a long rest before you can cast it this way again. 
Your spellcasting ability for this is the one you chose. If you have spell slots of second or higher, you can cast it and do the same. So, that's a little disappointing that, that they can't speak back to you. Um, I'm okay but... with that, though, because you're the one that's telepathic. They're not. <laughs> that's fair. <laughs> I, I guess for me, when I think telepathic, I, I've, I've also roped in mind reading with it. That it's a two-way um, street kind of thing. Yeah, it's a, it's a two-way street where yeah. kind of you're opening up a connection between the two of you. But it's still cool, and, and it's, a, it's a feat that is more for theme than really anything else, and mm-hmm. I really love that. Yeah. Like, I don't see you taking this feat for a strategic, tactical reason. You're taking this feat because you want some kind of flavor to your character. And I like that. Mm -hmm. But that is the end of feats and an hour and a half of an episode. (laughs) Yep. Oh man. That was fun though. Yeah. I mean like next time on (laughs) difficulty class, we'll go over like group patrons. We'll go over just like the new spells briefly. We'll go over the new magical items. We'll go over what I mentioned earlier about personalizing spells and such. Uh, Mm -hmm. There's a ton of dungeon masters tools in here too. There's, there's specifically a page, uh, several about session zero in here too. Yes. Yes. I can't wait to get Mm -hmm. into that. They Um, vamped up the spell, the rules for sidekicks, allowing you to level them up all the way to level 20 Mm-hmm. Um, there's with uh, with advice on how to do a one player game yeah. using them. Yeah, they yeah. they pretty much took everything from all their books and tried to shove it into one, which I'm okay with. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, they took a little fun from like, um, oh gosh, why am I not remembering the name of the boat book right now? The boat book. Oh, Salt Marsh. Salt Marsh. Yeah, you know how Salt Marsh <laughs> the there boat was. Book. Yeah, sorry. <laughs> um there they had like oh there's these like magical things that can happen out on the ocean well they also talked about that like supernatural regions uh there's like what happens if you're in a mirror zone what goes on there (laughs) we'll 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 get more to that that next week we want to give them too many spoilers it's so i'm i'm just so excited about all this Um, but if you have your own opinions about this, if you've gotten the book and been able to read it during this time, uh, write into difficultyclass at gmail.com with what, what you think about it, uh, whether that be what we talked about today uh, or what we're going to be talking about next week, and we'll involve you in the conversation during the episode. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that is going to do it for this extra long episode of yeah. Difficulty Class. <laughs> um, if you enjoyed it, the best way to support it is by leaving a review on your podcast service of choice. Five stars really does help out so that we can get this show seen more. We can get some more uh, people listening to it. We can grow the community and we can have more fun conversations. Uh, if you'd like to keep up with the show, you can do that on Twitter at Difficulty Class and on Instagram, I guess, at Difficulty Podcast. <laughs> um, <laughs> Um, and be sure to uh, write in with any uh, topics, suggestions, questions, or your opinions about Tasha's Cauldron of Everything to difficultyclass at gmail.com, and we'll talk about them next week. But until then, have a good game.